The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. We want to welcome you to the program, as usual. Our Thursday reading of Matthew 6, that which our lady asked for, knowing all things are rooted to money, and that all things evil are rooted to the love of money. And so it is. Over the course of the last three, what? how long have we been on air with Minchinomics? Three years? I think it's close to three years, I think. We've had radical change in people's lives, the direction. It's not enough today to go through financial situations or to talk to people about who have expertise, who have helped us get us in this mess, of which way we need to go. If you want to be a financial expert or an investment expert or what you need to do with your funds... Go to the Bible. It's got the answers. And for today's man, with new things that the Bible and the people who wrote the Bible never even thought about, the Bible still applies to it in principle. But as far as subject matter of modern technologies, it's not discussed in a technical form or literal form of the Bible. 
Our Lady gives us her messages. Our Lady said, and Maria's conveyed this, that Our Lady's messages are to help man, today's man, to understand the Bible, to understand the scriptures, to understand God's words. Because we live so radically different than man lived just 50 years ago. Used to, we'd say, 100 years ago. Even when Our Lady appeared, 1981, we did not have this fax machine. It was very painful and pain and laboriously, or, or caused a lot of labor to be able to get the message from Medjugorje. Even our landlines were so crude in Yugoslavia at that time that we couldn't get through. You might get a message six months later, a year later. We've come from that time on the end of the age of the explosion about what was going into, when our lady had to come to get into our hearts for those who had the staying power to stay within the Medjugorje phenomenon, the workers in it, and a lot of them have gone away, a lot of them have gone astray. And few, if any, have been able to understand and apply the messages to what you need to do now financially or politically or marriage or the church or different confrontations or different crises. We're still hearing something archaic with the message. Pray, fast, and penance, peace. That's the basic messages. You have to have those true, but you don't stay stuck there. That to progress out of the ground of the foundation of which you're laid in, in your heart, to turn into something glorious, like a beautiful cathedral, something magnificent. And so we've often, through the years, I, in particular with the mission, have been criticized because we talk about too many things with the messages. With that mentality, and what I understand about the messages, are in direct conflict, because I don't buy that. These messages are for everything in life, every aspect, everything going on. From the political realm, to the structure within the home, to the Vatican, down to those who are even Christian. The whole spectrum is covered under these messages. And there will be the completeness. They will be the fullness of everything we need now for salvation. Am I saying it's public revelation? No. But it's invigorating public revelations. It's private revelation bringing to life something that, as Cardinal Ratzinger said at the time, we can't confine ourselves to the sterility, to, to be sterile in repeating scriptures. From different times throughout the church, they had to be brought back to life. The Sacred Heart, the devotion to it, Fatima, and now Medjugorje. The kingpin, the ultimate, the completeness of Mary's role of salvation upon the earth. And so it is. This show is really about applying one aspect of our lives, money, to the messages. This is a feedback that came in um, from one that just received. They fired the first shot. The, the uh, book has been going out now for about three weeks or so. 
And we are starting to get reactions to the book. This comes from Christina from Monroe, North Carolina. Wow. I just received the book. They fired the first shot on my doorstep this evening around 6 p.m. It is now 9 p.m., and I'm on page 167. All I can say is W-O-W, wow. We have been so blind. When it's broken down for us in this manner, we can't help but rethink everything we thought we knew. My mind and heart have been opened up. I think the evil side counts on people saying, what's the point? There are no good options. But when you read this book, wow. The only option is Jesus. If, if Obama is elected again, pray, pray, pray. Exactly what the Blessed Mother has been telling us. Thank you for this book. We are hearing every day. Um, everybody's excited on the telephones. We've got, I know I walked through the computer room yesterday and there was probably six people on the phones. One of them told me they had three people on hold. And people are so hungry. What to think about different aspects of our lives is going on. And on the government, the political depression, the loss of freedom, the loss of inalienable rights, health care, the forcing of paying for other people's abortion, they want to take. What is our take? What is our position? What's the message? Having the gift of being in the message for 25 straight years, every day, all day long, there's insights you have. Those who were shared in writings long ago, like letters to the Corinthians, the Thessalonians. I can more of that than what it should be. No. Because people in the future will go to who is the closest, who was there in the beginning. What was their thoughts? What did they understand? We live in a biblical moment. Something the Bible talks about and making Bible at the same time in a private revelation way. Before I open the Bible, or rather before the show, I always open the Bible, not always, but often I look down, I see the Bible there on the studio counter. And I opened up and I pointed to a picture, which is where the record keeping part, you got death on one side. And I pointed to a picture, I said, well, this is, maybe I should cut the Bible again. I pointed right in the middle of a, of a, of a gun and a sword crossing each other. And at first, I was just, for a fraction of a moment, disappointed. You know, I can't talk about that. <clears throat> but then the Bible verse underneath it, well, before I progress to the Bible verse, and it's the only Bible verse there. It's, no, it's, it's a military service record. You put your names in when you serve combat duty, etc. But there's one verse with this picture. The verse says, It is better for us to die in battle than to witness the rain of our nation and our sanctuary. First Maccabees 3, verse 59. Pretty incredible. We're in the midst of this book going out. And as you know, I said on one of the programs that those who are trying to stop us from exercising our right to freedom of religious expression, of our belief, of professing our belief, that these tyrants, 
that have come to power, the regulations that's non-human, that carries on its weight, that make other people become and get into positions of being tyrants. A forced system to stop us. That prompted me to say, give me my liberty, or rather give me my liberator, or give me death. Tyrant's reign will always end in disastrous defeat, ours in glory. We willingly give our life while they unwillingly play with theirs. So this principle of Maccabees, it is better for us to die in battle than to witness the reign of our nation and our sanctuary, is in essence what they fired the first shots about. In the book, I quoted Winston Churchill. And he had said, if you will not fight for the right when you can easily win with that bloodshed, If you will not fight when your victory will be sure and not too costly. You may come to the moment when you have to fight with all the odds against you and only a precarious chance of survival. There may be even a worse case. You may have to fight when there is no hope of victory because it is better to perish than to live as slaves. This is the hour. This is the opportunity. They fired the first shot. What are we going to do about it? William Shakespeare said, We know what we are, but know not what we may be. I think they fired the first shot when you enter into it. It's like one person who read in the beginning says, I'm a changed person. I don't think the same way. I'm not the same person. Just as Shakespeare said, we know what we are, but know not what we may be. When you finish this book, even in the midst of it, you will change. I know Riaz was telling me one thing after he finished the book, because he's been in Medjugorje and have an opportunity to read it. He said, there's one thing that comes out on this and changes the mentality. If only one thing, which there's many, is clear that you'll know who right now is your enemy. General Patton said, a good battle plan that you act on today can be better than a perfect one tomorrow. That fits Maccabee's principle. Better to die now in battle than to watch our nation in century go down. That fits the principle of Winston Churchill. On his last quote, part of his quote, you may, not, you may have to fight when there's no hope to vic- of victory because it's better to perish than to live as slaves. There's no more time. We have to wake up now. We have such absurdities, such crazy things that we're submitting ourselves to. The regulations, the tyrannical things, EPA, they're tyrants. They're threats throughout the whole government. And it's all going to be empowered to be against the sanctuary and the destruction of our nation. 
Just in the 1990s, the EPA had mandated that all water districts had to remove a certain percentage of pollutants from the water. What did that mean for Anchorage, Alaska? The water was crystal clear. They couldn't comply with it because there was nothing to remove from the water. So they were out of compliance. They were going to be fined. Anchorage has some of the most clean natural water that exists. So what did they do in Anchorage? They had to dump the refuse from fish canneries into the water. So they, in turn, could remove it to be in compliance with the EPA mandates. People, this is 1990s. Progressed 12, 15 more years to now. I just got told about a freeway, I think it's Texas, that just got stopped. Millions and millions of dollars. Stopped dead in its tracks because they found a spider that they thought was extinct. Incredible. Kill the thing. Let it go extinct. Who cares? I'm not against nature. But this is absurd. Dinosaurs aren't here anymore. There's things going extinct. There's, there's thousands of species and things and insects going extinct every year, naturally. We put things not of God above things that are of God. Man has grown stupid. And as I said, God's Word, who is the Word? Jesus Christ. I'm in that part. God's Word is the light of salvation and common sense. So if you shorten that, drop salvation, because there's still, there's two things she says. Jesus, the word, Jesus Christ, is the light of common sense. This spider has no common sense in stopping man by other men who have a mentality. We have to do this. And don't buy into the lie. It's not about the spider. It's about conditioning, being told what to do to destroy the infrastructure of this country. And some of it does need to be destroyed. We're, we're off base. We built a culture without God. So it's our own punishment. But the absurdity about this, that if you killed that one spider, I'm convinced they'd find it somewhere else anyway. And most of these things are subsea species or something that's mutated. If it's down to one, what kind of effect on the environment is it? There's sometimes that it's best to let it pass. It's a good thing there's no dinosaurs here to eat you right now going down the road on the highway. As I rode and look what happened while you're sleeping. Today's news, two cars were, were, were picked up and thrown across the freeway. Didn't happen us eating. I don't want to live in a society like that. God knows what he's doing. Man doesn't when he sins because then the devil's allowed to do and guide things the way they are. John, you've got a, your reading for the week. This comes from Paul Coughlin's book, No More Christian Nice Guys. And he asked the question, is God a lion or a cocker spaniel? I used to wonder if our reluctance to embrace Jesus' bold manner is an attempt to remake God into a safe, supreme, nice guy. I no longer wonder. We ignore his assertive and sometimes tough manner because we want to declaw the Lion of Judah, 
We want the lion to be a happy cocker spaniel, the animal kingdom's equivalent of a nice guy. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has undergone an ill-advised cultural surgery, an operation we think will make our lives safer when it really makes them more dangerous. We usually don't see the damage this does until it's too late, getting us to believe that niceness and goodness are synonymous is one of evil's most successful ploys in our time. There is a rabbinical legend that captures a conversation between angels and God. The angels ask, Tell us about this Messiah figure. Why is he so special? What will make him distinct? God replies, Messiah is one who will stand straight. The historical record shows that Jesus stood far straighter than we currently acknowledge. By bending him to our preference, we make it harder for both Jews and Gentiles to recognize and follow him. Dr. M. Scott Peck saw this fact when he hosted international workshops. People from many different religions attended, and he observed that each group consistently demonstrated certain traits. For example, Jews were often challenging. Muslims wanted to morally instruct, but were inclined to teach and moralize excessively. What about the Christians? Nice. And it especially bothered Muslims, he says. Islamists saw that Christians weren't being honest about what they really believed and how they really lived. By implication, they represented a weak faith. Still, we humans just can't seem to help ourselves. We want the world to be a nice and undemanding place, even when God said it never has been and never will be. Something in us desires a comfortable God, a comfortable faith, a comfortable life. So we're reluctant to butt heads with a culture that wants to destroy masculinity or with a church that continues the effeminate Jesus myth. Numbing niceness still pumps like ether through sanctuary air ducts on any given Sunday. Many frustrated men gasp for pure air. Many exasperated women are lonely, and many children feel abandoned and nervous. The world sees more and more corruption because a critical redemptive power is not widely activated. The potential for heroism could be lost on yet another generation. There's a maxim in the world of outdoor activity. Cotton kills. It keeps you warm until it gets wet. Rely on something else, something less comfortable but more reliable, like wool, if you want to stay alive. We should have a similar principle when it comes to spiritual growth. Comfort kills. This doesn't mean we should shun all comfort, that we shouldn't take shelter from time to time from life's hardships, Nevertheless, we should recognize that comfort encumbers us and it nails Christian nice guys with a kind of death by a thousand stabbings. In order for the remedies of CNG or Christian nice guys passivity to be effective, you must also wrestle with the following question. Is there evil in this world? And if so, how does it impact my life? Many Christians don't live as if there is. And many don't think there's a destroyer of their souls, though Jesus said to pray for deliverance from that destroyer. 
The destroyer wants you to stay in numb comfort, unwilling to awaken and address the difficult reality. He doesn't want you to realize what C.S. Lewis wrote, quote, The safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts, unquote. Sound like the life you've been living? You've worked so hard for a smooth ride, but now you've realized it really isn't smooth. The day you admit this is a day of victory. Evil doesn't want you to enlist in the good guy rebellion. It wants you to think that even if you know comfort's killing you, there's no other road to turn on to. That's a lie as well. There is a way out. God in his mercy has not left you to wander another day in nice land. You'll have to make the decision of whether or not to follow the other way. Dr. Laura Schlesinger says that, quote, being nice in the face of evil makes you a victim, unquote. And this is the same evil that keeps you in passivity. May this fact keep you awake tonight, because despite our inclinations, such disquietude is good for us. I thank God for my nocturnal wrestling from a place of soul trouble. That's one of his ways of telling us there's something truly wrong inside. Starting to see God for who he really is changes the way we approach him and the way we live. We are more secure and loved, not less, which produces the boldness and honesty we need for meaningful lives. You know, I believe this is real related to the feminization of manhood. It translates even to the womanhood. Women are known as victims. She's, the scripture says, weaker vessel. And man's become the same way now. There's a lot of things throughout the culture. There's a whole other subject I won't go into, but it's definitely related to, to that. We see what Egypt was happening right there. This is due to weakness. No Marines protecting our consulate. They hire our Libyans to protect them. That's weakness. No common sense. Our first diplomat killed since 1979, who was president then, was it Jimmy Carter? Very weak. We have no courage. I tell you, if I was out there at the freeway and the EPA guys or the environmental guys or whoever they were, creature guys, was showing that one spider, I would have took joy with them. I would have started jumping up and down and accidentally landed and killed it. Where's people's courage? Claim it's an accident. What have you got to do? We've gone, we've lost all our manhood. All courage. That might be funny. But we're in a serious situation. It is better for us to die in battle than to witness the ruin of our nation and our sanctuary. What are you going to do? They fired the first shot, gives you what to do. It shows it, unabashed. No apologies. And not anywhere out of the Christian principles of what Christ taught us. Frank, you there or are you going to sleep? <laughs> no, I'm still here. But, you know, this is a, a good uh, segue into what a lot of people have asked me to talk about today because last week I mentioned that I read a letter um, that I'm happy to forward to anyone that's interested in it to get your 401Ks. And so a lot of people are trapped in this situation, and uh, 
it's exactly what you say is is that you have a battle that you possibly can win now when in the future you'll be forced to fight this battle with no way to win. In other words, if they can't give you what you've worked for now, do you think that you're going to get anything when everybody wants it and everybody's trying to turn it into something tangible? In a very short period of time, we don't know when that'll be, nothing will matter except for real things, land, food, energy, you know, gold and silver. These are going to, the real things will be all that will matter. The paper is all going to be gone. So you have to address this proactively with a sense that the big corporation has gotten off the hook. They, don't, they no longer have to take care of us until we die with a pension plan. They've put us on the hook for our future retirement with a 401k plan. That puts it on us to have to take care of ourselves. Now, it has to be approached, and, and uh, this letter would be a good start. You can add to it or take away from it. But you have to keep after them with, um, you know, treating them as we'd like to be treated, knowing they're, they're people, too, with families. And that's the best way to say, you know, we need this now. If we can't get it now, how possibly are we going to get it when things collapse? And so you have to take a very aggressive approach at what you've worked for. And if you're a state employee, states are going to file bankruptcy. And um, so, you, you know, I would really pray about this. If it were me, and then the other thing that, and I'll ask you um, what, what you think about this, but the other thing that I would do is I would absolutely, if there was no other way, if they would not give me my 401K, I would take the maximum loan on it. It's the exact opposite of what we talk about, buying something that you don't need with money you don't have, or buying something out of envy because you want something that you're not prepared to buy. You've already worked for this. It already belongs to you. It's already your sweat labor. And now they're making it hard for you to get, and in the future it will be impossible for you to get. So I would absolutely take the maximum loan off it and pay the minimum back and put it into something real and tangible. And uh, I don't think that this is against the principles of what's in. It ain't going to happen. The thing I'd like to say is don't rely on gold or silver. Your land or your community... This is your number one go. This is just a transitional thing. If you've got plenty of assets and a lot of investments, yes, you can put in there. But this is a temporary thing. It's an immediate thing that can be done today. So you act on this, what Frank's saying to do. As far as um, getting out now and they won't let you have the 401k, somebody that flies in here often because of his work uh, for some of the, one of the automotive plants was telling me the other day that he's thinking about quitting because it's the only way to get his 401k. And he feels like he, you know, he wants to put in something tangible or something with intrinsic value, which is, of course, the Maracas Metal Medjugorje Silver Medallion. For those who are new, you want it to be serving as a purpose of conversion. It's struck with the Maracas Metal on it. It's still a one ounce .999 silver medallion, a silver round. It's the same value as the Liberty Dollar. The image maybe gets you a dollar more per ounce, but that's nothing. 
it's the same value. It can't be lost. It can't go away. If your house burns down and you got a glob of silver there, you still got it. If it's paper, it's gone. If it's a certificate, it's gone. Because the value in of itself is the silver itself or the gold itself. And we don't push gold because gold's the king's exchange. Silver's a working man's. The peasant is bothering and the slave is debt. And so silver throughout the scripture, scriptural history has been the means of exchange. And there's nothing wrong with this to be used. And you do a double good for you and your family if you convey this to have a conversion purpose that when you expend that or release that silver rounds, magical rounds, it calculates out not in just getting the goods and services you need to get back or buying land. It calculates out and somebody's going to have that and bring about conversion. Why not use what you have? Why not have, don't buy secular silver. We say secular silver is the same thing as what we, we have in the America's Metal Measure Around men through. But we Christianize it. Just like we Christianize Europe. Just like we Christianize the whole world, the Roman Empire. We're to Christianize. Use every means, every avenue, and that's one of the traits of Caritas. All the projects that God showed me to lay out here from his very beginning. Father Foley from England came here and says, where do you get all these ideas? You, know, you just think. Look at the message. We're to transmit them to the whole world and use everything of the world to do that. And we've already had miracle stories of people's conversions. And this is continued. Nobody's going to throw away this round. A gang member, get it, he's not going to throw it away. He's going to carry it. Or keep it underneath his pillow somewhere. Maybe the love of the silver. But still, just like in the book, ain't going to happen. You know, somebody on the death road was saved by the miraculous metal. And he didn't want it. He didn't know Jesus. He wanted the trinket. Tied around his neck. You can get the rest of the story out of the book. And so what Frank's talking about is this, and our friend from, I flew out of town. I told him, I said, why don't you talk to your bosses? If you've got a good relationship, which I knew he did, because he actually brought some of his Japanese bosses here, which was very uh, intrigued by this place. And of course, they're not as around Christianity like we are so much. From Japan, they flew in from Japan. Walked them around, and they, they were meeting me bound and all this stuff, and they were real intrigued. But I said, if you know your boss is real good, and he's well-known even to the president of the company, or not well-known, but he's, he, he has meetings with them, see if you can quit. And they hire you back two months later. It takes, I think he told me, three weeks to get you 401k. Work with your boss. Do no Venus for him before you even approach him. Find out who would be favorable above the boss. Say, listen, this is what I, I need. I need to get me some land. And I need some help. I'd like to temporarily quit and go back. Don't think it's not out of the realm of possibilities. I know people who have quit just to get the 401k. And this is a real viable thing. You might not get it, but one in three may get it. Your boss, your novena, <clears throat> butter them up. Make friends with them. Convey your family situation, your ideas of what you want to do. And say, you know what I really like to do is do this. Can I get hard back? It might have to go through another board panel, yes, but see what you need to do. Nothing is impossible. And no obstacle should block that, therefore. My life has been full of obstacles from day one. 
from Caritas, the mission, Medjugorje, all the obstacles. I've never even let that daunt me. Because I know there's a way around it, there's a way over it, there's a way under it. Or the ways, there's a way to bust through it. And we have victory after victory after victory with this concept and this idea. So what Frank's saying is just being really innovative. You can call him. Frank, how can they contact you to find out more information they might want to discuss with you? Yeah, you can call us toll-free, uh, 877-936-7686. You can also reach us online if you want a copy of that letter. Uh, I'm happy to uh, copy it for you and send it to you. At Global what, what, letter, what letter is that clarified? It was a letter that someone wrote to their 401k provider. Okay. Um, and I think it's good to have a paper trail. I would not take no for an answer. I just would not take no for an answer. I mean, I would do it with peace, with with love, joy, but, um, you know, why Why can't I have it? Who Who's stopping me from having it? And, you know, um, let them know, you, you know, if it's that you're worried about my, you know, um, Security as an employee, I'll sign a contractor, you know, or well, whatever you have to do. I don't know what what is the reason for them holding it. Yeah, don't, don't uh, you know? It's true. Don't let nothing stop you. You know, the, the saying, uh, "Love is like a butterfly. Let it go if it if it returns, it's yours. If it does, it never was." You know, some people might say, "Love is like a butterfly. If it doesn't return, go out and kill it." But the point I make is, don't let nothing stop you. There's no way you can be associated with a lady with Our Lady and her children and allow for an obstacle to be say, I quit. She didn't tell us, through prayer you'll perceive the greatest joy out of every situation that has no exit for us to just drop down and die. No, it is better for us to die in battle than to witness the ruin of our nation and our sanctuary. We wish you Our Lady we love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.